Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are one day, just over 24 hours away from San Francisco 49ers football returning to our TV screens for the first time since the NFC Championship game, a loss against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, it's only preseason, but while the outcome doesn't matter that much, it's what happens in between the lines on the gridiron that matters when it comes to positional battles on the field. So today, we're going to dive into about 10 to 12 players to watch for on the field tomorrow, 1 p.m. West Coast start time. I believe it's on Fox or KPIX. I know it's a local game, so local listings. Check that out for yourself. But Fox Sports, Niners football is back on Niners Versus the Raiders, the rivalry is reignited, albeit in a preseason game. But first, I want to talk about what happened, I believe it was on Thursday, or announced on Friday morning, because the San Francisco 49ers, they kind of got a gut punch when it came to the special teams and receiver room, when Ray Ray McLeod was announced to have broken his wrist uh, at practice on Tuesday prior to the team traveling to Las Vegas for joint practices with the Raiders. Um, he's going to be out an estimated eight weeks. So that's a return date somewhere between week four against the Cardinals and five against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. But, and, and it really does stink because McLeod breaks his wrist trying to catch a deep ball from Sam Darnold where the rookie Jair Brown gets his first interception in training camp. So our thought was, great play, rookie interception, and then you realize a couple days later that, oh my goodness, he's already out of surgery as of Saturday. But on Thursday and Friday, it was, what is San Francisco going to do at the return position? Because kicker turner now is not McLeod. Punter turner is up in the air now. And so with McLeod out, it opens a big door for players like Danny Gray and Ronnie Bell and Deshaun Jameson and even Willie Sneed fourth. And so, for those three guys, being Bell, Gray, and Jamison, it does open a door for them to kind of etch out their role. Whether it's, you know, if Bell can't become a receiver or isn't seen as, you know, one of the top five, top six receivers, if he can, for an eight-week span, uh, make Shanahan and make, you know, Chris Forrester and, and the entire coaching staff, uh, Schneider, the special teams coach, make them feel comfortable with him at kick returner and punt returner, then okay, you have found your spot for at least a short period of the season, and same for Deshaun Jameson out of Texas, but I do have some concerns here, because Ronnie Bell has only fielded 13 puns at Michigan throughout his entire career with the Big Blue. Jameson has a lot of punt return experience, but has muffed five punts at Texas, and for Danny Gray, who many fans say, well, he has speed, he doesn't have a role just yet, put him back there. I would agree with you, but then you realize that Danny Gray's only had two punt returns at SMU. And I have a feeling that uh, maybe Kyle Shanahan might lean towards a veteran player back there over a young, unproven player that has maybe minimal reps as a kick and punt returner. And even Danny Gray, uh, Kyle Shanahan said himself, Gray is seen more as a kickoff returner, meaning even if Danny Gray wins that you know kick returner job, they're going to have to find a punt returner anyways. And so San Francisco finds himself in this area where you've paid, you know, I don't want to say a premium, but you have paid a lot of money to a 
kick return, punt return specialist in McLeod, and now he ain't there. And now you're reliant on either young guys or veteran players who don't have a lot of experience doing punts and kicks to kind of be your kick returner and punt returner. And we're about four weeks away from the season. And you might be, you know, a quarter of the regular season into it saying, hey, what maybe was once a strength of this team that this team, you know, looked for in the you know, free agency last year to kind of improve might be a negative or a detriment or a weakness now coming into this season. And so... I do want you to keep in mind that Willie Sneed IV is currently listed as the second team kick and punt returner. And so that kind of, you know, put the bells ringing in my mind like, bring, bring, what's up with that? But then I looked at it and Willie Sneed only has five career, five career kickoff returns in one punt in 2017 that he muffed. So even the veteran players like Willie Sneed the fourth. There's not much experience or faith in that in him either. So to say I'm not concerned is an understatement. I am very concerned at the kick return and punt return position that albeit a young guy can step up and secure that role for himself and we're we're sitting back saying, What are we worried about? Who cares? But right now on August twelfth, the day before week one of the preseason against Las Vegas, I'm sitting here saying what are we going to do with kick returner and punt returner, man? Game over. Game over, man. Looking like Bill Paxton and Aliens, right? That's what it feels like. Um, one thing I do want to mention, though, on top of that is that the Niners apparently cannot place McLeod on injured reserve until after roster cuts going into week one of the regular season against Pittsburgh. So they're going to have to carry him throughout roster cuts. And... What they're going to have to do with the receiver or you know, return positions are McLeod has to go on IR after roster cuts. They're going to have to cut a veteran player. In my mind, I think of either a Sneed or a Chris Conley who's taken first-team reps throughout the entirety of training camp. Um, he feels like a player you would cut and try to bring back or promise, hey, we're going to cut you, but we want to bring you back. We have a role for you etched out on the offense. Um, don't sign elsewhere. So... Once you know roster cuts happen leading into week one against Pittsburgh, you put McLeod on IR, you cut Conley, then bring Conley back after roster cuts are over with once McLeod has gone IR. So there is some kind of trickery here San Francisco has to play with because they cannot right now just place McLeod on IR and say, let's find somebody else. That is not possible currently. And again, depending on how Sneed and Ronnie Bell and Deshaun Jameson do in the absence of McLeod, uh, I do really think that Kyle Shanahan, after you know paying money to Ray Ray for a special team, you know return man a specialist that hey we need someone back there, you know we thought Richie James was the guy he wasn't like this return team this special teams unit was atrocious in 2019-2020. They made the point to go out and pay players Oren Burks, George Odom, and McLeod money to improve the unit. Two of those guys are healthy. It's important to punt returner, kick returner. Your job is to gain the offense extra yards. Get them in better positions to score. McLeod's really good at that. And with the unproven nature of Bell and Jamison and Sneed, and I can even argue that they aren't really, what they have proven in college or in their short stint in the NFL, it really isn't much to have faith in. And so I can see Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, if we're going to let one of these guys go, whether it's Conley, 
after McLeod goes on IR, we need to find a veteran player back there if Bell and Jamison and Snead don't show enough during preseason. Uh, I hate to say I rely on a 35-year-old player, but Andre Roberts is still in free agency, and when you're trying to hold down the fort for four, five weeks, essentially all you're asking a player to do is, hey, don't fumble the football. Don't muff the punt. And if guys that are young, Bell, Jamison, Sneed, they show they can't do that, I could see Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, let's go sign 35-year-old Andre Roberts on the free agency market because he has over 475 returns, punts, and kick shared. If there's a player at any position you can get away with having a 35-year-old veteran at, outside of maybe quarterback or left tackle in the NFL, it is back there fielding kicks and punts. I mean, we're talking, like, the kickoff rule has already changed enough to kind of give you some room with a 35-year-old veteran player in Roberts, but fielding punts are going to be vital for the offense. You cannot fumble punts. Why not, instead of relying on a young player that's unproven and what they have proven isn't really reliable at all, go get a veteran player back there, that can field punts, has almost 500 career punts and kickoffs combined. Um, he's going to give you confidence, and you're not going to have to worry about Andre Roberts back there. He'll be a cheap option. You can have him for four or five weeks and say, hey, McLeod's back. We're done with you. Goodbye. Like, it's really that simple. It's a holdover piece that you can have back there and say, okay, we don't love it, but we don't hate it. It's fine. He can give us five yards on punt returns, and we're going to call it a day. Um, I think that's, that's an option. Again, only with the idea that Bell and Jamison don't prove to be enough, but I would give them enough time. I think right now you have to give these young players who are trying to find their spot in the NFL on this roster, give them the opportunity, and Kyle Shanahan said he would, but give them the opportunity to succeed. This is their chance. See what they're made of. Say, hey, look, right now, you know, three days ago on Wednesday, there wasn't a spot for you. Now, there is a wide-open window for you to say I can jump in and I can you know hold down the role for a month and a half if these young guys can do that maybe that jettisons them into another position more depth make them or make Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes and the entire coaching staff say hey you are too versatile to cut and that's one thing we've always pointed to here with Bell and Jamison they aren't just receivers they aren't Chris Conley's and Sneed's of just receivers they are kick return men. They are punt return men as well. Give them the opportunity and see what they can do. But if not, uh, Andre Roberts is still on the market. But here we go. Here are the players you have to look for tomorrow, Sunday. Football is back. 1 p.m. on the West Coast, 4 p.m. on the East Coast. Niners versus Raiders, Raiders excuse me, Allegiant Stadium preseason week one. Niners football is back on your TV. I, I have my hair done on a Saturday at 9.15 a.m. Because I am so excited for tomorrow's game. I am pumped, ready. I got the Nick Bosa jersey in the closet, ready to go. I am excited for what's to come tomorrow. And let's start off with the quarterbacks today. I know, we're starting quarterbacks. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's going on, Sterling? Everything is backwards. I think it's blatantly obvious that you and I and everybody else in the fan, dumb, (laughs) is going to be watching the quarterback position. Trey Lance expected to play almost, if not the entire first half against Las Vegas tomorrow. Sam Darnold expected to play the majority of the second half tomorrow. And I think right now, I think this is the prime opportunity. We talked about earlier in training camp earlier this past week, where or maybe even two weeks ago, where Trey Lance had the opportunity to securely jump Sam Darnold in that race for quarterback number two. Kyle Shanahan is giving you a full quarter to play with. This is another opportunity for Trey Lance, who by all accounts has had a very solid joint practices with the Raiders. This is a chance to continue that rise, to continue to prove, to put on a national scale, a national scale, that I am trying to cement myself as a quarterback too. And if in an off case, Purdy, who's kind of struggled during joint practices, throwing like, what, four or five picks the past two days, um, if he's going to continue to do that and struggle come regular season a month away, This is a time to make Kyle Shanahan feel comfortable with you being the team's quarterback number two. If I had to pick today, I would pick Trey Lance. And I think Kyle Shanahan would too. Um, I do think he's starting because he's the incumbent and because he's playing well right now. But he's going to be out there with probably Jawan Jennings and Danny Grays and Ronnie Bells and Chris Conley's. This is the opportunity to cement your flag and say, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to hit my deep routes, but I'm also going to show the improved mechanics, hit my intermediate stuff, and I'm going to go out there and say, hey, look, um, I don't care you brought in Sam Darnold. Uh, I've been in this this room, been on this team, this offense for three years now. I know it like the back of my hand. I don't need Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and McCaffrey to make me look good. That's the one thing many fans have been clamoring for. You know, the only reason why Brock Purdy looks so good is because he had you know CMC and Kittle and Debo and Ayuk. Um, Trey Lance can, you know, in a very small sample size, prove today or prove tomorrow, excuse me, that I don't need them to be good. But with them, this offense goes to the next level with me at quarterback. And so I'm really excited for Trey Lance. I want to see how he, you know, is in the huddle against an opposing defense instead of his own. I want to see him get hit. I want to see him scramble in the pocket. How does that pocket presence look? I think the one thing with Trey Lance I've noticed in preseasons has been it's usually one big deep ball, one really good drive, then he kind of, you know, filters out towards the end and kind of, you know, kind of loses his footing in his next few drives. Last year, Danny Gray against Green Bay. Boom, goal ball, touchdown, get him out of the game. Um, Trent Sherfield in his first preseason game ever, I believe. Boom, touchdown, out of the game. I want to see Trey put together two to three good drives. And I'm really excited because they are giving him a whole half to play with. Um, He is a quarterback that has needed time to get comfortable. I want to see him, you know, come out, find his footing, couple run plays, complete a pass here or there, let Kyle get him comfortable, 
with kind of a small game plan of sorts, then start to kind of incorporate the deep ball, the go ball, the things you want to see from him as time progresses. In a full half of play, we are going to truly see what Trey Lance has been working on um, throughout the entirety of the, uh, the offseason and training camp thus far. I, I am really excited for what he can do, and I want to... I want him to show that he's not reliant on, you know, just deep balls. Um, we have seen improved touch from him in, what, two or three weeks of training camp. We've seen these, you know, the mechanical improvements. We've seen that while there's still this inconsistencies with the, the screen passes and dump offs, I want to see live game action where guys are coming at you 100%, 100 miles an hour. How do you react? This is not training camp anymore. This is not practice. These are live game reps. The opposition wants to kill you. How are you going to react? I do want to see it. I'm really intrigued by what Trey Lance can do and on a national scale, 1 p.m. on a Sunday against the Raiders. This is a good opportunity to showcase what and everything you've been trying to improve upon with Jeff Christensen, with Patrick Mahomes, and throughout the entire offseason. I want to pause for a second to thank Eric Soley in the comments who agrees with me that he seems like, being Trey Lance, he has... A leg up on the quarterback two spot. I agree, Eric. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday morning. And I hope you're excited for football tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, the other guy, the other quarterback, Sam Darnold. Um, he's going to play what seems like almost the entirety of the second half. I'm sure they're going to get Brandon Allen in there. Um, Brandon Allen has taken, from what I've seen, no team reps the past two joint practices. So we're going to get a heavy dose of Trey and Sam. And for Sam's case... I just want to see he can operate the offense come live action. I think for him, it's always been decision-making. It's The arm is there. The talent's always been there, but it's when when the play's happening, when guys are cutting and there's defenses in front of receivers, where, where does your decision-making process go? Is it, oh my goodness, double coverage at the force of play, like Jimmy did the past few years? Or is it, hey, no one's open, throw it away? I think Sam Darnold... I saw a stat where I think last year in like six games towards the end of the year, he had thrown the, the ball away more than he ever has his entire career. Um, and it's going to be hard to see that come preseason, in, especially game one. But I do want to see that composure where, hey, in training camp, there were many times where when the play broke down, when the pocket collapsed, there was this kind of jitteriness. Uh, what do I do with the football? From him... Tomorrow, if that pocket collapses where it seems like he's going to be playing with a third-team offensive line, where does that put him? Does he get rattled early and that forces him to be erratic? I, I don't know. But that's one thing I do want to keep an eye on because if anyone, any of these players, is going to throw a pick, I think tomorrow it's probably going to be Sam Darnold. Um, I do think he does show a lot of promise in what Shanahan wants. Screen passes, intermediate game over-the-middle things that I said plenty of times here can make Shanahan feel comfortable. And early in training camp, he was doing that stuff. Um, but later, kind of, kind of, you know, I don't want to say lost his footing, but I think early in training camp, he kind of had that QB2 title next to his name. And as it's kind of gone down and, and in the days that progressed, he's kind of lost that title. Um, for him, I want to see live game reps. Are you a practice player or are you an NFL player come game day? Because... We've seen plenty of examples of bad practice players and really good on game day. Is that the inverse for Sam Darnold, who started off really hot in camp? A lot of touchdowns, 
like, okay, like this is something new and special. Can he be Shanahan's version of Alex Smith? Um, and I think as time has gone on, that's kind of gone away, and he's kind of you know fallen towards the backside of certain things and down the depth chart. But I do want to see how he looks, you know, with guys like you know Ross Dwelly or Cam Latu, um, and working with guys like Ronnie Bell and you know Willie Sneed and Chris Conley's and stuff like that. I think for him. You know, I don't think Sam is fighting for a roster spot, but he's certainly fighting for that number two quarterback spot. And I think for Kyle Shanahan, for him, right now he feels like he can play three different quarterbacks throughout the entirety of the season and be okay with that. and be Or not okay, but comfortable with that. And I think for Sam Darnold, he kind of has to, at least on the fan side of things, we've seen him in New York and Carolina. It wasn't impressive, right? And so for him and me being at camp, I've seen the good. I've seen the mediocre. And I think for the most part, he's been mediocre as time has progressed throughout camp and practices. And so to see him get very little reps the first couple of days and doing practices, I do want to see what Kyle Shannon, how he uses him. Are, are, are we going to see this very bland, basic, you know, Shanahan offense? I think we're going to see, you know, a far less intricate version of what we'd see come week one against Pittsburgh. But I want to see, like, how, how does he work in the pocket getting plays out? Like, are there going to be, you know, a lot of delayed games and, you know, having to call timeouts for plays on getting out on time? Um, is timing with receivers and tight ends and and, and your running backs going to be correct? Um, there's so much that Sam Darnold has to perfect come week one if he is going to be quarterback two. Whereas Trey kind of has a leg up. Um, well, they both have legs up in different areas, I'll say. Trey... Knowing the offense, being in the system, that favors him. For Sam, it's, you know, his strengths are what Shanahan's offense likes. Intermediate, small, screen passes, get it to your playmakers, let them go. And I think for him, it's how can you, how quickly can you process those plays? How accurate can you be with your screen passes and your slants? Whereas for Trey, it's okay, you know the offense, your timing should be fine. Um, Where are you and where your weaknesses were the past few years? Intermediate routes, over the middle. Um, and look, this is going to be a battle. This is the most, like, no other fan base is talking about quarterback two, maybe outside of Detroit and Anthony Richardson. Now Teddy Bridgewater's there. Uh, this is, this is the, like, this preseason game is going to be huge in how we view these two quarterbacks going forward because don't forget, it's boom, preseason game one. How are they doing? The fans are going to go crazy on Twitter if Sam goes, if Sam is bad, Trey's great. No matter how this thing goes, fans are going to be, igniting the world on fire on Twitter. But after that comes practice and, and week two against Denver, then week three against, I believe, the Chargers. Like, they are going, like, this is a nonstop ride of how can you maintain your success. And Trey, I think, has done better at that thus far throughout a week and a half, two weeks of training camp and practices. Can you carry that into football games? And for Sam, can you pick that steam back up and run the offense effectively and efficiency the way Kyle Shanahan likes it. Moving on to running backs. Christian McCaffrey, running back one. Easy, done, gotcha, good. Jordan Mason, he already has a roster spot. Elijah Mitchell's hurt still. He already has a roster spot. Ty Davis Price, though. I think those are going to be your four running backs. CMC, Mitchell, Mason, Price. But for TDP... We have, he's probably had the best camp of any running back. 
Mason's been good. McCaffrey's been otherworldly. But besides, you know, CMC, between Mason and Mitchell and Ty Davis-Price, I, I truly think he has looked the best of those three. And I think for him, you know, it's okay, look, it doesn't matter what you do at practice. It's come game time, are you hitting your holes decisively? One thing for him and Trey Sermon was running into the back of the offensive line, not finding holes, your body isn't in the right shape, your field vision blatantly just sucks. There's not much for you on this team. This year looks entirely different, night and day from where he was last year. Um, I think Ty Davis Price can, depending on how many reps he gets, be that you know preseason league-leading rusher of a guy who comes in, his body's right, looks better than the second-team defenses he's going to play, and I think I'm expecting him to come out and crush it. Um, I've been really impressed by him, but I want to see, can you carry that over? Can you try to push for that number two running back job? Because right now, it's CMC Mitchell Mason. I think they want Mason to be that fourth quarter closer. It's third and two. We need that first down. Get in there. Short yardage guy. For Mitchell, it's I'm always hurt. When I'm healthy, I'm good. But for TDP, I think he can kind of push for that running back two job and jump over Mason depending on their roles in the offense. Um, I think Shanahan wants it, it to be McCaffrey for 18 to 20 rushes a game. Uh, TDP or Mitchell, you know, six five or six rushes a game, and Mason gets about four. I think they want to run the football around 30 to 34 times a game. Uh, and I think with the four guys they have, especially Ty Davis Price being healthy and younger than Mason, um, or excuse me, younger than Mitchell, I think he can push for that job and kind of alleviate the pressure uh, or, or, or the beating CMC takes every single year. Really intrigued by what TDP can do and hope he pushes for that number two job uh, starting tomorrow at 1 p.m. for preseason week one. Two receivers and two tight ends. Danny Gray, Ronnie Bell. Uh, Danny Gray, what he can do with his speed is unlike anybody else on this offense. Uh, we've seen the go balls in preseasons and we got really excited for it. Does that carry over into this year? It carried over into camp. A lot of a lot of go balls, a lot of speed. Um, he's improved the ability to get yak. It's always been there. Um, but it didn't seem like they trusted him last year in the offense to do stuff like that. Um, he's getting handoffs in practice. He's getting end arounds. Um, I want to see Danny Gray kind of show the alpha male in him. He said, look, I, I am a dog. I am a D-A-W-G dog. And I think he's got that in him. I want to see him with Trey or even Sam push the football down the field. Um, show the improvements you made in your cuts, getting in and out of your cuts, in your route running, um, your knowledge of the offense. My only concern with Day, with excuse me, with Gray and Bell, is the drops. They've had many drops throughout camp. Um, Gray's been more consistent with his hands than Bell has been, but I do wonder for young receivers now with McLeod out for a long time, this is the opportunity to push for a job. And I think for both these guys, that your job may not just be receiver. How can you make yourself useful in many other areas? And I think for both of them, not to say pressure is on, but the heat's been turned up a little bit. Hey, like we're, we are relying on you. This is your opportunity to prove yourself to the coaching staff. And I think for both these guys, Graham Bell, um, secure hands, ball first, um, 
in and out of your cuts cleanly. But most importantly, you have to catch the football. I'm really intrigued by these guys. They can bring something to the offense. Um, many fans are hoping Bell that Bell can replace Jennings in a year once Jennings becomes a free agent. Um, I, for one, don't think that's going to be the case, but we'll see. Um, Bell has the run blocking ability. Again, no block, no rock, right? I want to see these guys be aggressive in the running game. I want to see them with secure hands, getting in and out of their routes quickly and crisp. We saw Bell at training camp. The route running isn't a problem. It's can you catch the football consistently? Um, and they both come on towards the end of training camp, going into joint practices. And I think like that's going to be a big thing for them. Even Ronnie Bell on Tuesday. Uh, two drop passes. It's like, come on, dude. Like, if you want a job, you have to fight for it here. And come game time, we saw him turn things up with pads on in training camp. I want to see him turn things on when game time truly hits and that kickoff goes out there. Like, okay, here we go. It's live action. Let's turn things up a notch. Uh, I am really excited for what Graham Bell can do for us here. But on tight ends, this is arguably, besides quarterback, the one position I'm really intrigued by. Because... Braden Willis and Cam Law, too, two rookies expected to make this team, or at least, you know, they want them to make this team. Um, the, the late round pick, Braden Willis, has looked head and shoulders better than Cam Law, too. And if anybody's going to be, you know, placed next to the word dropped pass, it's going to be Cam Law, too. It has been almost every single practice. He's a good route runner, better than I thought he was. But if you have butter hands. <laughs> like, he's like that guy from uh, Longashard. Shouldn't have had that popcorn. That's what it's like for him. It's like, you're wide open. Boom, hands, ball on the ground. Like, that cannot happen for a guy this team is expecting to alleviate some form of the game, whether it's blocking or pass catching, from George Kittle. Um, he's been okay as a blocker. I think he's been better at times than Willis in the blocking game. But overall, Willis has been better at pass catching downfield, more secure hands. And I think in the short running game, Willis has succeeded as well. Um, there was a play earlier in camp where Devo cut a ball over the middle of the field and ran for a touchdown. Willis is downfield blocking the receiver or blocking the DB for the receiver for a touchdown. I think these two guys being you know, with the fifth and sixth tight end on the roster, this is a big day for them tomorrow. Like they should see a lot of reps behind Warner and Dwelly. And I want to see them succeed. We've seen plenty of tight ends come into a preseason game and catch one, two touchdowns. They are a young quarterback's friend. And for Sam Darnold and Brandon Allen trying to fight to make this roster or you know fight for that number two, number two quarterback job, uh, I can easily see Latu and Willis you know making a statement early or when they get the reps early in this game for their time on the field. Because these two guys are going to be targeted heavily, I think, in these first couple games. Because Shanahan wants to see what they can do. Um, right now, if I had to say, draft position is saving Cam Latu from getting cut. Um, he has looked like, I could probably say it confidently, the worst pass-catching tight end on the field this year in training camp. Um, come game time, does that change? We'll see. My eyes are going to be on him a lot because drops like Ronnie Bell and Danny Gray cannot happen. Um, the offensive line, I think we all know the swing tackle position is heavily favoring Jalen Moore. Um, he should be back on the field. Not sure if he plays, though, because of the bone bruise he suffered earlier um, in camp. 
Uh, I'm expecting him not to play, but one player I have my eye on is Leroy Watson. He's got his body right after converting from tight end last year. And I think for Leroy Watson, it's more so of can you beat out Matt Pryor? Um, Matt Pryor has not been great throughout training camp and, and OTAs and, and throughout practices. Um, and against, you know, top-tier talent of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, he has struggled. Um, and for Matt Pryor, being a vet, I think Watson has shown more promise than him throughout the entirety of training camp. And I want to see what he can do against, you know, an opposing defense trying to get after him come game time. Um, this swing tackle job, I think, is kind of locked in for Jalen Moore currently. But if Moore is hurt or and, and that lingers... Um, this team is going to want to carry two tackles, and I don't think one is Matt Pryor, um, or at least shouldn't be currently of how he's been in pass protection. I think Watson can go out there and do some things and kind of maybe, you know, make them feel more comfortable with him as that fourth tackle on the roster behind guys like McKivitz and Trent Williams and Jalen Moore. Um, Watson, when, when you're a fourth tackle, you're probably not going to play. We, we saw in 2019 where McGlinchey and Staley both go down in the midst of a undefeated race, you know, in the middle of the season, it happens. You got to have guys you can count on. And my eyes are on Jalen Moore if he does play, but also with Watson and Pryor, that second swing tackle job is up for grabs. And my money right now is on Watson to kind of push that because he has shown a lot of promise in training camp. Uh, two interior guys, Keith Ishmael and Nick Zakelge. Um, Nick Zakel is someone who's really funny to me because he was brought in to be that backup center and that hasn't really stuck for him. And now he's finding himself playing guard a lot more. And I think for Nick, it really comes down to, look, John Feliciano is this team's backup right guard, left guard and center. And to be behind Banks and Burford, guys who I think are expected to take that next jump this year in year two of the offense... I think for them, and more importantly for Nick, it's, you know, you don't have to be great, but you have to kind of find your role on the offensive line. I don't think you're a backup center anymore. Um, I think you are going to be a guard this year. Um, he's been playing a ton of left guard with Banks having a concussion. Uh, I'm assuming he might start uh, tomorrow against the Raiders. And for him, it's, you know, he'll be, a, you know, he's not playing next to Trent and Brendel and Burford, who can kind of you know mask your in your your weaknesses. This is you're on display. You're kind of at this alone. You know how do you work with Felicianos and Matt Pryors and Jalen Moores and Watson? Because look, if someone goes down, your job is going to be easier next to Trent and Burford and Brendel. But right now, you are out there by yourself trying to fight for a roster spot. I know they, they love him. They scouted him for like six years at Fordham. Or n not Fordham, but like they scouted him for six years in college. They have wanted him since day one, and they got him. But right now, he seems like the fourth best guard, a guy who they're trying to... like. He's trying to figure out what his role is still. And for him, it's, you know, are you a guard? Do you have to get your body right? Where is your hand placement? How are you picking up stunts? Um, he's not been great, not been bad, but he's someone who I don't think they have a lot of confidence in him just yet. And that same thing goes for Keith Ishmael, who's been this team's backup center. Um, Feliciano got some run early. Zakel got some run early, but 
the past week or so, if not two weeks, it's been a lot of Keith Ishmael at backup center. Um, this team needs backup center big time. They don't have one currently. And I think to deepen the interior depth, I think they would like Feliciano and Zakel to be the backup guards next to Ishmael being the backup center. But uh, one thing I notice is a lot of low snaps. Uh, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold have had a lot of low snaps to them. Um, I want to see more than anything, can you snap the ball correctly to your quarterback? Um, in practice, if you can't do it, how is that going to look come game time? We'll see. Um, that's a very simple, like, I'm not talking about hand placement, where your body is, where your legs are, if you're staying firm, if you're calling out mics and helping the, the, the old line communicate. None of that stuff. Just can you snap the ball correctly to your quarterback and put them in a position to succeed? If you can't snap the ball like a receiver, if you can't catch the ball, you ain't playing. If you can't snap the ball like a center, you ain't playing. Uh, moving to defense, just two guys, I think, you know, Taco Charlton, he has come in late into camp, someone I kind of picked as maybe the next Tashawn Gibson. Um, he is coming lively with a spark of energy on the defensive line. I want to see what he can do come game action. He has his body leaner and looks like he's stronger. Can you push for that defensive end depth piece? I think right now, minus Nick Bosa, um, we're kind of looking at a Drake Jackson injury away from being, oh my goodness, how do we look here? Um, Clellan Farrell, somebody I like, someone who I think has been touted as the next reclamation project for Chris Kosarek. I think he's looked really good in camp so far, but that's one piece. These guys like to rotate. These guys need rotation pieces. Austin Bryant's in the room. I like him a lot. But currently, it's Kerry Hyder and Alex Barrett at the number two edge pieces. I don't love that. Kerry Hyder, love you for what you've done. You're a really good veteran, solid depth piece behind that, you know, defensive end number four, the fifth guy off the bench who can give you a couple good snaps a game and also play the interior. But for Alex Barrett, having a good camp, I'd rather have a, you know, maybe more physical specimen like Taco Charlton, like Austin Bryant, who maybe have that one trait you love. Especially knowing that Beal Jr. has been hurt all week and had his first practice yesterday at joint practices. Um, I want to see Charlton and Bryant pick things up at the edge, you know, with the depth of the edge and kind of be those fortifying pieces to the defensive line outside of Nick Bosa, Farrell, and Jackson. But on the interior, um, Hargrave's not going to play. Armstead's not going to play. And I'm not sure if this next player is going to actually see the field or see action on Sunday, but Javon Kinlaw. I want to see what Javon Kinlaw does during live reps, but also can he stay healthy? His mind is in the right place. His body's in the right place. I just want to see if it can hold up. Javon's a good guy that has hit some really bad luck the past few years. I want to see if he can stay healthy because if he can, we're talking about a first round talent, what, four years, three years removed from being with the 13th overall pick in the NFL draft as a second, you know, second team depth piece. That's phenomenal to have. Like, we're talking about the improvement of getting Hargrave in here. You go ahead and get Javon Kinlaw healthy and back. You essentially have three starting caliber interior defensive players in Armstead, 
Hargrave, and Kinlaw. And there's been even, you know, we've seen, you know, pictures of them running, you know, five man defensive fronts with, you know, Kinlaw, Hargrave, and Armstead. And that's like, oh my goodness, we can have five just bulldog cannonball huge bodies that will free up Nick Bosa and Jackson and Farrell. I want to see what Kinlaw can do. Can the body hold up? Is the explosiveness still there? His body, he's he's leaned out. He's worked on, on flexibility throughout the entire offseason and training camp. I want to see that improve, and I want to see that on display tomorrow if he does indeed play. Four more players here. Uh, one of them is kind of the obvious, Jair Brown. Rookie safety got his first interception on the play. McLeod broke his wrist on uh, before the team went to Vegas on Wednesday. Um, I want to see when the pads are on, a live action. He talked about, I want to join in on the hunt with Warner and Greenlaw and Nufunga. That hunt starts 1 p.m. Uh, against Las Vegas. Um, when you can't hit anybody and a lot of your game is reliant on you know, hitting someone's head off, causing fumbles, you know, being a playmaker, it's hard to see that in training camp. Are we going to see that on Sunday against Las Vegas? I want to see, you know, the 40 time isn't fast, but I want to see that, hey, when live reps come, when the action starts, you are going to see my game tick up in speed and see my reaction time, you know, isn't a, you know, based on my 40 time. Um, he talked about earlier this week or last week that, hey, look, like I get my 40 time isn't fast, but if I'm smart, if I can see the play before it happens, if I have the knowledge of where I need to be and where that ball is going to go, you are going to see me play a different style of offense or defense like Hufunga and Gibson. And I think like we're going to see that on display, I think, tomorrow against Las Vegas. Can he ramp up the speed? Are we going to see you know this high-energy playmaking style of safety because... Many of us, including myself, want to see him and Hufunga on the field together. And I think tomorrow we're going to get a chance not to see that, but we're going to get a chance to see Brown, you know, pick up that speed, you know, and put his game into a next gear when he can, you know, knock someone's head off uh, on the Raiders. Um, sticking in the secondary, Ambry Thomas and Deshaun Jameson. Uh, Ambry Thomas is somebody that I think. You know, we have pointed to and say, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be on this team, on this defense? And can Steve Wilkes kind of revitalize your career after almost being cut? Um, they have given him every opportunity in camp to show that, okay, like we trust you. We want to see what you can do. Um, tomorrow is the, you know, the first big test of his career back on the secondary. He'll probably start tomorrow with none of the starters playing across from Womack. Uh, I want to see what he can do. Um, for him, when you're going against Brandon Ayuk every single day and he's beating you a lot of the time, how does that harden you? How does that help you improve? I want to see the coaching Steve Wilkes has you know, helped him with be shown on the field tomorrow. Um, and, I, and I think for him, it's you know, how are you in press? How are you in man? And you know, for him... If he comes out tomorrow and has a good game, and you can instill confidence in a young player like that who's kind of down on himself after last year, um, his body's right, his mind is right, but you give him a really good start to his 2023 campaign, um, you could see a young defensive back refine himself, and I think that is what I want to see from him tomorrow. The other guy, though, Deshaun Jameson, 
freaking spark plug of the defense. He is so quick in his in his cuts, in his steps. Um, Mooney Ward said, you know, he's three, four steps. That's most guys. Jamison is one step and gone. For him, I think... For him, it's okay. You come in, got all this hype around you. You've performed really well in training camp. You've taught veteran players on this team. You've impressed the coaching staff. Um, but are you a practice player or are you a game player? Um, there's a big difference there. And I think for him, being undrafted, chip on his shoulder. Um, if there's a player who I expect to play extremely physical and fight for every snap, every ball, every rep, um, he's a player I could see getting that first interception of the preseason. And you're saying, yep, he is the real freaking deal. I want to see that on Sunday against Las Vegas. I want to see him fight for that cornerback number you know, 6-5 role on this defense. The last guy of the day, the linebacker expected to replace uh, Aziz Alshire. Marcelino McCrary-Ball had a phenomenal training camp thus far. Uh, didn't see what he did in joint practices, but right now really impressed by him. Um, he has almost every beat writer's eye as to who was going to be the surprise you know, linebacker this year behind Warner and Greenlaw. Um, I would expect him in three linebacker sets to be the player next to Warner and Greenlaw, be the Alshire piece next to them. While Oren Burks is that special teamer backup Mike linebacker, we've seen a lot of growth from Ball this year. Um, being a leader on defense, a couple picks, a couple forced fumbles in training camp. I like what I see from him, uh, and I'm, I want to see that continue because there are guys, like this linebacker room is deep of young players trying to find a role. Jalen uh, Graham, D. Winters, McCrary Ball, uh, Oren Burks. These guys are fighting and clawing. Demetrius Flanagan Falls, fighting. I could argue they already have four guys locked into a spot. Um, Ball is kind of right there of, okay, like, does this team want to keep two special teamers or do they want to get this guy with high potential that can actually be a playmaker on the defense? Uh, I want to see him succeed. Is he going to be playing Mike? Is he going to be playing Sam? What are How are they going to utilize him in preseason tomorrow against Las Vegas? Um, I think he'll be next to Oren Burks as the Sam linebacker with uh, Oren Burks playing Mike, but we'll see. But I want to see how they view him. Um, because if they view him as kind of the backup Mike to Fred Warner, that does change you know, how they view Oren Burks in my eyes. Because if you have that Mike linebacker that you see in McCurry Ball, um, that does change how maybe they view Flanagan Falls and Burks because both those guys play similar roles on special teams and Ball could kind of you know alter the depth chart. And I, I do want to see if he can make that jump uh, into year two of the defense and hopefully take a spot and steal a spot from a veteran player on the roster currently. But look, we are still just over 24 hours away. San Francisco 49ers football is back. We're back in the fold. The red and gold are back. Brick by Brick debuts, what, in four days on the YouTube channel? Uh, we are going to have a great time covering this team this year. Games and live action begin tomorrow. Training camp is done. It's over. Joint practices are done. It's over, and we're gearing up and ramping up towards actual San Francisco 49er football preseason one tomorrow. Week one versus Pittsburgh at the regular season in just 
over a month. I cannot wait. I'm so excited to watch this team this year, and so are you. And if you want to see him live and in person, use that promo code 49ersaccess, 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Also, if you want to get some team gear before the season begins, want that Jair Brown jersey, that rookie third-round pick, hype up, great safety, use our link at fanatics.com either up above on the screen or down below in the description and save yourself some money and support the show in the meantime. Also, follow us on social media, hot takes, podcast updates, and what we are seeing with the team this year are going to be on social media. Instagram, 49ers.access, Twitter, 49ers underscore access. If you don't want to miss a thing, be sure to follow us on social media. Again, one day away, 24 hours away from 49er football. I'll be on 95-7 the game tomorrow, following the game, giving my takeaways and what I saw from the game against Las Vegas again at around 4 o'clock just after game time tomorrow on 95-7 the game. But this has been the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for listening, for watching. Don't forget to leave a like, leave a review, tell your friends, give a like to the video, share a review, subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stay faithful.